politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew once again for our liberties. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here at CR Podcast, Blaze Media. It is Wednesday, December 1st, the final frontier of 2021, our final month to turn this year into a year of redemption from tyranny. Um, and time is running out. Time is running out. There's a lot going on in the courts today. So you have tons of news breaking yesterday. Uh, courts, federal courts all over, district circuit courts, um, striking down, if you want to use that term, I don't like it, but you know, uh, putting an injunction on the CMS mandate, the OSHA mandate, the healthcare worker mandate. Um, so things seem to be very good. You have today oral arguments at the court for Mississippi's abortion law, uh, banning abortions, uh, midterm, late term. And there's a lot to talk about in that sense. But they really all tie together in the sense that you cannot obey your way out of tyranny, nor can you hope for the courts alone to save you when the courts are usually the problem. We're going to have on later today Dr. Mark McDonald, a special guest, to really delve into the psychology because it's all a matter of the psychology, the psychology of fear, the psychology of people uh, literally being willing to go back to pre-enlightenment views of governing authority because of misinformation that they're being fed. That's where this battle is because it's only because we don't have an alert people that you're able to have supermajority red state states where they're pushing all this garbage and they're not doing what's right. So the point is, rather than allowing Republicans to say, oh, we're going to wash our hands of it. Look, the courts are taking care of this for us. No, now is the time when you have that legal momentum, partly because we built a little bit of political momentum to spawn that, because the courts only respond, even the Republican judges, when there is some degree of political momentum. And you fuel even more political momentum, and you kick it while it's down. So before we bring on our special guest, I want to talk about that a little bit, and then also how it ties into this uh, you know, quest to overturn Roe, or partly overturn Roe, and what's going on in the Supreme Court today. Now, our first sponsor today, you know, at a time when money is worthless, inflation is worse than ever. I mean, I go online <clears throat> to buy stuff, and it's almost like everything's not 5-10% more. It's almost like it's 50% more. Um, they're just going to spend more money, more money. Both parties agree with it. Both parties are socialists. Both parties are communists. Republicans don't disagree with with 90% of the spending. So for the foreseeable future, gold is really the best hedge against inflation. With so many choices out there, I recommend Birch Gold Group um, for physical gold and silver investment. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, five-star reviews from thousands of customers. They've been around for a while. They could protect your hard-earned savings with a little-known section of the IRS tax code where you could legally move your IRA and 401k into precious metals. Um, to understand how to create your own gold tax shelter account, uh, if you go, you can get your free info kit from Birch Gold by texting the word Daniel to 989898. Again, it's a comprehensive 20-page kit. 
uh, reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can move your IRA or retirement account out of volatile stocks and bonds and into precious metals. Text Daniel, again, the number 989898, Daniel to 989898. So I just want to start off with the abortion case um, before we get back to COVID fascism and our fight and what to do about it and our special guest. Um, look, I know this is going to disappoint some of you maybe, but I think most of you are smart enough to understand what I mean. I have a hard time getting my juices flowing about this court case. In, in, in another era, another time, this would have been like the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh, it's the you know biggest opportunity since Casey, you know, 1990 to overturn Roe. But I don't know. I don't know, folks. When you have two evils going on, one evil is a group of people are continuing to abort their own babies, not our babies. And then another policy where they are mass aborting our adults where they have unleashed a virus upon us and then have enhanced it with a leaky vaccine that's gotten so bad since July. We have so many of our people dying, will die, being denied treatment, violations of the Nuremberg Code, then the fascism that has been spawned by it, the therapeutics and vaccines and masking and lockdowns that have been spawned that haven't worked, that have made the virus qualitatively worse and have killed so many people from the side effects of each and every one of those policies and therapeutics. I'm sorry, but when Republicans, it's like, again, the algorithm conservatives, you look at the energy online among these legacy so-called conservative movement people and they're like, oh, abortion, abortion. Oh, I, I like I'm programmed. This is something they're excited about. But for 20 months, no matter how egregious the stuff they're doing, the information about it comes out, we can't get them juiced up on it. You know, I was speaking with a friend of mine who's in the Kentucky legislature. They have three to one majorities. They could override Bashir's veto with 51% in that state, actually. So they could crush him by a mile. They've done nothing. She told me that most Republicans in the legislature she speaks to, she's like, they, they, they quietly say, yeah, you know, I guess we shouldn't mandate it, but why are people not getting these shots? Like, what the heck? They are fully on board with every facet of COVID fascism. And it's not just COVID fascism. It's any issue that matters at the time it matters, in the way it matters, Republicans are on the other side. Okay? They're on the other side of it. So... I'm just sorry, like, it's hard for me to get juiced up over this issue. You know, let's not forget that the born have life too. You know, sometimes we obsess so much about the abortion issue because we're always, you know, jousting with the left over it. But the equivalent of what they're doing on COVID fascism to abortion would be is if not just that they had access to abortion for those who want it, but actually mandated that we all get it. <laughs> That's what's happening now. So look, we'll see what happens today. I might comment it. I might even write on it. But I'm just saying, to me, I, I, I just will not allow Republicans to fundraise off of this and, and ignore their responsibilities on everything else. Now, <clears throat> as far as... And, and, and just like another thing that's important too, 
I just want to I just want to mention this from a court strategy, even over and beyond the political you know strategy. What we need to do from governorships and primaries and state legislatures, county officials. I, I've said this many times. Even the Republican appointed judges that are halfway decent, they're not going to act unless you create a political momentum behind it. It has nothing to do with the way you read law. It's all politics and public opinion. So abortion is the one, I mean, I guess it's abortion, lower taxes, and guns, maybe three issues, where Republicans have a united movement where at least on some level they make a lot of noise about it, and they've gotten it to this point. But I can't tell you on so many other issues where Republicans are like, we can't pass this out of the legislature because the Supreme Court already decided. No, challenge it. Now that you have a new Supreme Court that supposedly was supposed to be better, challenge it. And that's what they decided to do on Roe. They directly knew that the lower courts would go after them, and they wanted to set up a challenge. And they succeeded thus far in in doing that. We'll see what happens with the final ruling. I don't really know if Barrett and Kavanaugh will have some sort of game Obviously, we know how um, you know the three Democrat appointees and Roberts. We know how you know they're going to categorically rule against Mississippi. Um, we know what Clarence Thomas will say at the other end. Who knows? But why don't we do this on other issues? Why do we accept so many other bad decisions like Obergefell and Bostock and all this stuff on the on the on the, on the homosexual agenda issue? Why do we allow Republicans to drop that like a, like a sack of potatoes? It's all about abortion. And again, this affects me a lot more. The homosexual agenda, legal immigration, COVID fascism affects me a lot more. I have no problem going before God and saying, I did everything I can to stop them from killing their babies and whatever. I mean, they're doing what they want. At the end of the day, it's not my people getting abortions. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm just trying to make a simple point here. Let me give you an example. U.S. v. Arizona. Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida, talked about this on my show on Monday. Why don't we set up a challenge to that, that decision where they're like, oh, states can't enforce immigration law. Well, we have a different Supreme Court now. Go and, go and change the policies. Now, I don't think we should submit to the courts. I think we have the right to do it, and we have to stop this notion that somehow the courts are the federal courts, the final arbiter of constitutionality, when you know you have the constitution on your side. Um, but even if you believe in that, at least set it up. But again, this is the only issue that Republicans will rally behind, and sometimes it's, it's to a fault, because they'll allow that to obfuscate all the bad things they're doing, and this is how these rhinos keep getting reelected. So... That's with that. But a lot of you might be asking, okay, Daniel, but we did have some good court rulings on, um, on uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, the CMS mandate, the healthcare worker mandate, OSHA mandate. We have injunctions. It's really, you know, a lot of momentum behind that. We seem to be winning in a lot of courts. Um, this seems pretty, pretty good. And, and there's a Florida case, too, that it might have been a military case, Northern District of Florida, where the judge did not do an injunction, but he made very clear that he's biting at the argument that Comirnaty and Pfizer are not the same, 
and it's not fully approved, and he seemed to be very clear that he'd finally enforce the EUA law that if something's, even if you believe you can mandate something that's approved, you certainly can't mandate something that's an EUA because it's straight up in statute like that, even if you don't believe in constitutional rights. Um, so there's been a lot of good court decisions. Um, but, folks, it's not all good mechanically. And even if it is good, now is the time to fight. Now, our next segment here is sponsored by America's only Christian conservative mobile provider. Um, part of the problem we have why we can't have a national divorce and break away from the cartel is because they own everything. I mean, there's only one Amazon, there's you know Walmart, everything. Um, mobile service is one of the only major things that we actually have an alternative with. Patriot Mobile um, they're unlike the others that donate to to the cartel. They stand up for America, pro uh, family values, pro constitution. They have the broadest nationwide coverage. They use the same towers as the other carriers, so you get the same service. Plus, they have a hundred percent U.S. based customer service team, um, so you don't have to deal with people that you can't even understand, like you do with all the other carriers. More importantly, they share your values. They donate to causes fighting for religious freedom, constitution, sanctity of life. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR. First responders and veterans get a discount. Again, go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. So I want to say that you can't obey your way out of tyranny, and you cannot expect the courts to do this for us. Let's not forget. I want to. I, I want to clarify something. It should be simple, but a lot of people are confused by this. When the court puts an injunction on the mandate, it doesn't mean the business can't do it. It means the government can't force the business to do it. But there's three spheres. There's federal mandates. There's state mandates, and the so-called private company mandates there's three spheres um what we always i was always fairly confident that they would get an injunction on this this was not my beef um because that's what republican judges like to do they like to do that well you could you could rape someone but the feds can't do it you know that the state could do it um you know jacobson which which is garbage of course you know and just like roe needs to be overturned jacobson needs to be overturned and remember the two are not mutually exclusive well, Daniel, is there a bodily integrity right or not? No. Bodily integrity means you have a right to a negative. Government can't force a procedure. But you want to save a constitutional right to do a procedure, especially one that that people believe is murder, well, that's a societal question, and that has to be dealt with in a political system that's certainly not a constitutional right. So the, the two are not you know, mutually exclusive, and, and they're actually very different. But anyway... Here's the thing. The government has already spent 20 months censoring, lying, funding, um, carrot and stick approach in so many other ways that they've made it in the culture that if you're a big business and particularly in healthcare, they're going to do it anyway. They're going to do it anyway. It's going to protect a certain amount of people. But this is what Governor DeSantis was talking about. Unless you did what he did, where you have an equal and opposing force that's stronger, that the state's going to punish you even more if you do it, they're just going to go into it. And he he admitted that the one thing he couldn't control was the CMS one 
because that is a greater, I mean, the Medicare, Medicaid funding is greater than anything the state could could threaten with. There's nothing you can do about that. So that injunction is very impactful for a state like Florida that actually fought it. But how many other states have done that and have not exempted the hospitals from the ban on the mandates? Very few red states. And most, and the problem is the courts are, th- these court decisions are going to allow them to wash their hands of it because remember, Republican Democrats work day and night to empower their base. Republicans work day and night to make end runs around their base. I was speaking to a friend of mine who's in the Pennsylvania legislature, and she's like, I can't tell you how many times, um, you know, they will come and, and uh, you know, their, their constituents pressure them to sign on to a certain bill. And then those guys sign the bill like they sponsor it. And then they go to the majority leader and say, can you please not bring this up for a vote? Um, that that's what they do. It's all about fooling our people. They're all a bunch of dogs. Um, you know, 90% of elected Republicans are worthless. Um, 60, 70% are downright fully on the other side. Uh, and, and, and that's what we need to change. I mean, they all need to be flushed out in the primaries. But they're going to use, they love the courts because if they lose, they're like, well, the courts have the final say. It's nothing we, nothing we can do. If they win, then they get to wash their hands. Oh, look, look, you know, the courts, courts did it for us for free. But the reality is it's not going to change much unless you do what Florida did at a minimum, and they really need to be doing more. See what I'm saying? It's not going to protect blue states where the state the, the state is doing the mandate. And even in the red states, it's not going to protect a lot of industries. Okay, It's not going to protect the military either. And by the way, it's so bad in some of these red states, even the state level, where the governor had an executive order or the legislature passed something, but the governor is a jerk. They're not enforcing it. And you have state colleges or medical teaching schools um, like in Arkansas where they're, they're thwarting it and the governor's not doing anything about it. So my point is, I'm concerned, I'm, I'm happy like everyone else about these injunctions, but I'm also concerned on some level that they're going to go ahead and, um, you know, use this as an excuse not to do what they need to do. That's what Republicans are like. So that's number one. And then there's the federal workers. We haven't gotten an injunction on that. You know, there's a lot of federal workers that are patriotic, ICE agents, you know, border agents, and they have not gotten relief. So that's the thing. I mean, it's the federal mandate on the so-called private. That was the easiest thing for the courts to do. But the other stuff, so far, the courts have, have rejected us even on the religious exemption aspect of it. So my, my point is there is so much more work to be done. And remember... Remember, even if the courts tomorrow fully got rid of private, public, you know, they even private mandates, they said, you know, it's discriminatory, apply Title VII, which they should if you want to apply it equally, um, and, uh, you know, health freedom, discrimination, health privacy, all the laws that were put into place because of HIV, if they applied that equally, they really should rule that way. Let's say they did that tomorrow. 
still we would have only have cut out 5% of the cancer. This is how the Overton window has moved. All of this is illegitimate. I have a column out today on Molnupiravir. The FDA funded and now approves something that they admit. They admitted that they really shouldn't approve it, but they're doing it anyway because you can't turn down Merck and they already have a contract with them. They admit it's mutagenic. It doesn't work. And in fact, if you look at carefully at the data, it actually is negative. Like everything they're doing, they create... See, even if you don't mandate the vaccine... The lack of informed consent that they funded it, they censored it, they approved it, violated every statute in the process. They foisted this bioweapon upon us. They've made it mutagenic. They've enhanced it. The virus is now a huge problem, and not this Americon thing. It's 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 the it's the ADE Pfizer version of Delta that's really the problem. The the current iteration. It's actually hilarious watching all these states like getting crushed by this version of Delta and they're like, we need more restrictions for the, uh, you know, Omicron, Omicron, whatever. Like, really? It's kind of bizarre. And again, I talked about that yesterday. But the point is, what has already been established that we could force you, a two-year-old, Still has to wear a mask on a plane in many other settings. And, and in many places, still in school even. That they could lock down the healthy. They could contact trace you. No medical privacy. The blocking of ivermectin and juxtaposed to what they're approving is unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, the people at that meeting yesterday, the FDA advisory board, they were like... Yeah, there's problems, but but there's like people are dying of the virus and we just can't deny them treatment. Unbelievable. Irony is dead. Something they admit causes birth defects. They openly, like you think maybe I'm like making this stuff up. Everything I'm telling you, all these guys, it was a 13 to 10 vote. Um, but even the 13 that voted for it admitted everything I'm saying. What they're doing and not doing what they're approving versus what they're banning on the therapeutic side of this pandemic is a more illuminating window into the crimes they've done than anything else. If you have trouble believing that they would and could get away and would do what they're doing on the vaccine and that it's that ineffective and that dangerous, what they're the therapeutic stuff is open, open. They said it. So the fact that we have bankrupted ourselves, destroyed our supply chains, Destroyed our economy, destroyed our mental health, destroyed our physical health. Funded dangerous stuff and put this stuff in our bodies without informed consent. Even without a mandate, it violates the Nuremberg Code. The mask stuff. The need to have healthcare independence. And to have free market healthcare for once. The right to live. The, the, this is... The, this is the ultimate right to, to life. We now have a, have a system, government, medical, biomedical state, that could create pathogens, shove them on you, and block the way to deal with it. And you have no way of getting around that. That is the ultimate right to life issue. And that affects our people. They're forcing that on us. Again, it would be the, if you want to talk about abortion, it would be the equivalent of forcing us to get an abortion. It's even worse than, than the typical pro-life issue that, that we talk about. 
And yet Republicans in every legislative body and every governor, most governors, they're on the other side of it. So there's a hundred more action items we still need to pursue. And then even if you pursued all those items but didn't do it properly, constitutional amendments in these states to make sure it can never happen again, they've already let the genie out of the bottle. Do you think they're stupid? Do you think they're not going to try this again? And it, 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 it could be a flood. It could be. It might, it might not even just be a pathogen. They're doing it in Vancouver and in India. They're locking people in their homes for other reasons. They have remade society and remade the role of government. That needs to be eaten out. So these narrow injunctions on a narrow sliver of one component of the COVID fascism could actually work against us if Republicans wind up using them as an excuse to drop the issue altogether. But on the other hand, it does give us momentum because you have all these headlines of, you know, ruling against Biden that is helpful. Now is the time to step on the gas pedal and open these legislative sessions and do everything we need to do. And in the coming days, we are going to be talking about these action items. But before we run out of time, I do want to get to our special guest. So as an introduction to our next guest, you know, we're talking about the need to step on the gas pedal not rest on our laurels simply because we have some court injunctions, work through the political process, work particularly in January with all these uh, red state legislatures with super majorities meeting to get legislation passed, to ban COVID fascism in every form, to promote healthcare freedom and the right to try, the right to treat, to properly treat this, to promote oversight and investigation in all the legislative bodies of everything that went wrong and all the scandals from remdesivir to the shots to the denial of treatment all this stuff we need to do um and obviously we need the constitutional amendments we need to get involved in primaries we can't have these candidates run like it's 1998 oh i'm pro-life i'm pro-gone and i'm for lower taxes as if the last two years never happened as if we literally don't have concentration camps in Australia, and we're only a half a step away, especially in the blue states, and red states are not that much better. That's what we need to do. But at the end of the day, this only came about because the people wanted it. Okay, let's let's face it. They were lied to. They were manipulated um, with the gain-of-function research from day one, and people were scared. But that fear allowed them to literally embrace pre-enlightenment views of government. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, this is this is like middle-age stuff that's going on here. Um, this is Third Reich stuff. And largely, a lot of people went along with it. And in order to really solve this problem and immunize ourselves against it, we need to understand how this came to pass and, and explore, you know, from a psychological standpoint, a mental health standpoint, what what we do about this. So with us is really the only mental health professional I know that has um, robust mental health himself. Uh, Dr. Mark McDonald, he's been on the program before. He's kind of the the only really uh, psychiatrist that's part of the these frontline doctors, and he's been instrumental in, in, in fighting back on this issue from day one. He's a child psychiatrist in Los Angeles, 
and he's out with a new book I want you guys to pick up. Um, it would be great for a Christmas present as well for a friend. United States of Fear, How America Fell Victim to a Mass Delusional Psychosis. Dr. McDonald, thanks so much for coming back on CR Podcast. It's been a while, Daniel, but I'm really happy to speak with you again. And I really had to have a chuckle at your opening line about <laughs> the only mental health professional I know who has good mental health because believe me, about 80% of my colleagues have lost their minds. So here's where I want to start with that. I want to start with the psychosis, and you could tie in your book. Um, here's what I don't understand. So last year, uh, this virus came around, and no one knew about it. It was new. It was People couldn't think straight. They got sucked into it. Um, so I could understand if we would be living in a time where COVID was gone, and they were still, and they were pushing vaccine mandates because prima facie, you could say, "Well, look, it's 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 working, it's working. You better not, you know, you you don't want this to come back and people to die." Um, now that doesn't, in my hypothetical, it doesn't prove it works, but you know, um, it would logically make sense. But in fact, the virus is worse than it's ever been. The mortality is worse than it's ever been. Um, the stuff, it, nothing they've done has worked. It's all gotten worse. How is it that people could buy into it and then they'd be like, it, the shot works and doesn't work at the same time? Could you explain some of that, the cognitive dissonance there? I was, I was reading some comments just last week uh, by Solzhenitsyn, the, the, the famous Soviet writer and author of the Gulag Archipelago, and a quote that, that really jumped out at me as I've been thinking about this question that you just asked is the following the first and simple act of a courageous individual is to refuse to participate in the lie. Now, the lie of the Soviet Union was very different than the lie that were being perpetrated today by our government. But I think the point is still quite, quite telling, which is that there is a lie being brought upon us. Just look at the last few days' events. The Omicron variant is going to destroy the world, and so we're going to shut down borders in Israel. We're going to issue travel restrictions in the United States. We're going to reinstitute masking. We're going to close businesses. This is exactly what we did two years ago. Exactly. And just as you said, it got us nowhere. Not only did it not reverse or retard or slow in any way the transmission of this virus or eliminate or reduce deaths, it actually made them worse. The lockdowns made them worse. So two years ago, we could be forgiven for having accepted the 15 days to slow the spread, which is now, what are we on, like year, year three at this point of slowing the spread? We could be forgiven because we didn't know. Now, I knew that it was nonsense from the beginning because I, I know how public health works, but a lot of Americans didn't. So they believed it. They accepted the lie and they went along with it. Well, now, two years later, we're being peddled the exact same nonsense and we're being told, pretend that the last two years didn't happen. Pretend that Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day is not happening again. And yet Americans are largely buying into this. So the fundamental question is why? Why is this obvious lie? It's, it's no longer a, a political yep. question, a partisan debate. It is a lie. It is a factual lie. It is an intent to deceive using false information. So why is it happening? Well, that's why I wrote this book, United States of Fear, to explain the psychology behind why it's happening. And I believe that the primary driver from the beginning has been fear. It has been fear as a fuel to move this car along, to move this lying vehicle along. If Americans had not been afraid, I don't believe they would have swallowed this lie. I truly don't. But the fear 
is not something that is new. And that's what I outlined in the first third of my book. It is not something that started on March 15th of 2020. Fear has been with us for decades. We have been groomed. We have been groomed just like uh, children who are uh, falling prey to sexual predators are groomed to normalize abusive behavior. Mm. And it's been going on for a very long time. We have been alarmed at almost every day by threats of catastrophe, economic and ecological collapse, toxic masculinity, Donald Trump, systemic racism, you name it. So in March, when we were told there's a virus coming out, it's going to kill all of you. You must quit your jobs. You must shut down your schools. You must mask. You must social distance. You must ignore your families. We believed it because we knew that we should already be afraid. And this was one more example of how fear is what's driving our culture. That is why I believe it happened. Fundamentally, it was due to fear. And and the reason why I know you're right is because of all things, the most visceral opposition I've gotten, I kicked lockdowns in the nuts. I crushed masks more than anyone with a byline. I Literally, the written word that I have on that, the content I have on that – and, and, and that was like the biggest idolatry in the history of the country, yet it didn't measure up to the visceral opposition I got to promoting ivermectin and things like that. And, and, that te- and, and I know you guys really were, were the pioneers of this very early on that you guys understood that you know, to a certain extent for some people this virus is a problem because it's not natural. It is a bioweapon created by, largely by the same people creating the solutions, and it's all part of their great reset and part of the plan, and they're working on other viruses as well. But if people had a way of dealing with this and a treatment, they would no longer fear it, and then everything else, it's almost the palladium of the entire great reset would fall apart, and that's why ivermectin is like worse than the Confederate flag. It's like it's like the most it's it's the worst thing you can ever do. They have to deny it from people that they literally say um, they advise the family to take them off of uh, life support. And then they're like, could we try ivermectin? No, it, it might cause problems because but but it, it doesn't mean personal health problems. Obviously, it means they can't have a control group. Is that what this is all about? Denying a control group. I think that once you instill fear into a population, what ends up happening is that reason, rationality, common sense goes out the window. So you, you don't have, I agree with you about the, the lack of the control group. Uh, it's hard to hide things. <laughs> you have control groups, just like it would be hard to hide, say, the deaths of five-year-olds, which is what we're going to start seeing is this uh, forced uh, biological agent that's called a vaccine and it's not a vaccine becomes uh, pushed into the veins uh, of, uh, of, our, of our American children. And I think that the more people are scared, the less they're able to see that even if there were a control group, that there's something fundamentally wrong. I, I think that, I'll put it to you this way, I, on, on a hierarchy here, I think eliminating control groups is a, a anticipatory defense against the attacks of those who are rational and logical. And there's always going to be a few. Uh, you know, I'm in that group, you're in that group. There's, there's enough of us to raise a fuss and to do interviews and podcasts and, and commentary and speeches on the Supreme Court steps. But as long as that group can be sidelined and marginalized by continuing to instill fear in the population and disseminate false information, no matter how obviously how striking we point out the lack of logic, common sense in reality, even if there were a control group, uh, the more easily it is for 
the more easy it is, rather, for the government, media, and corporations that are all working together, all colluding together, to continue to dismiss those voices. It's a very common attack and method used by totalitarian governments, and it's been used throughout the 20th century. You create a crisis, you suspend liberties on behalf of uh, protecting the people and solving an emergency, and of course you never give them back. And then as you're doing that, you, you snipe all of the individuals who stand up and criticize the suspension of liberties and point out the fact that it's irrational, it's an aggrandizement of power. And that's what's been going on the last two years. So the critics have been attacked, slandered, censored, shut down. And as long as the larger population continues to feel afraid, continues to look upwards towards the government as the, as the solver of the problem, as the protector, rather than to their husband, wife, neighbor, community, church, etc., then the government continues to maintain control. I think that's the tactic, and I think it's one that, if you look back at history, I think has just been essentially repeating itself the last two years. But, but what, what I find more effective about this one is that typically they lie and make up stuff, you know, like, you know, it's a global warming. You know, you know I, let, let's start with that. This is a perfect example. This is what I'm dying to get your take on. And it's very painful for me, and I know a lot of people in this audience are going to be shaking their heads as I'm saying this. We're a very divided country, and, and, and you know the same cabal, the same elites that control everything, they push – like you said, they've been grooming us and doing this on, on everything, and they've groomed half the population. But then you have the other half of the population that they will easily laugh it off, and they'll know exactly, oh, I know what you're manipulating, you're manipulating the data, you're lying, oh, you know, you know, white on black crime or, you know, or systemic racism, are you kidding me? All my neighbors, friends, everyone I know, I mean, most of my circles, they're, you know, what you would call politically conservative, um, global warming, ha, 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 they'll laugh it off, you know, all this stuff they throw at you, they'll know exactly where it is, but yet, yet. I know in my life, and I'm sure you do in your life, I have people like my parents' age that would chew my ear off every time they see me. They want to know everything going on. They're into conservative politics. They're listening to talk radio all day and this and that. They listen to Rush Limbaugh for, for 30 years. But when it comes to this issue, they got 100% of the left, and they got like 60% of the right bought into it because part of the problem is it's not that it's made up the virus it's that they created it they push stuff that made it worse and they block the stuff that works and the more they make it worse the more the fear so the problem now is and again i know conservative lifelong conservatives that are older or sicker that are in their home after having gotten three shots they're they're still staying home 20 months into this they're terrified but the truth be told, Dr. McDonald, you can't deny the fact that Gert Vandenbosch and others warned that if you have suboptimal antibodies, a non-sterilizing vaccine that goes around and uh, in the middle of a circulating pandemic, you're going to create viral immune escape. And I think we've all seen this since July when it started leaking. This it, it, It's pretty bad. I mean, a lot still get it mildly. Certainly with children, it's a lie. It's not a problem. But, you know, middle-aged men and certainly elderly men – this thing is bad. This thing really is bad. It could be solved with the right treatment. How do you break through that? How do you break through an issue that's the most severe threat to liberty, yet so many people that have stood for limited government their whole life, they've fallen down on this? It's a very, very difficult question to answer, and it's a complex one. My 
take on it right now. And my take changes very, very frequently because things keep evolving so rapidly is this. The government and industry and media, as I, as I state in the second third of my book, United States of Fear, how this actually came about in terms of government and industry colluding together on a, on a governmental level is this. The government and, and those other two institutions, the businesses and the, and the media, incredibly effectively from the very beginning controlled the language, the debate and the argument. And they began they came out with three lies that that are still being perpetuated that even strike to the to the, of the hearts of conservatives. And the first one you just alluded to, which is there is no treatment for this disease. None. Now, that frames the next question, which is, do you want to get a vaccine or do you want to just roll the dice? Well, obviously, if you're a rational person, you're going to take a vaccine because even if it may not be 100 percent effective, maybe it's 50 percent, maybe it's 7 percent. I mean, it's almost down to zero at this point. (laughs) You're still going to do it because you see the alternative as being just sitting and praying and waiting for death. And that's not a rational position to take. People who are conservative and rational, they want to take action. They want to protect themselves. Totally understandable. Had the question been framed in the following way, take an experimental biological agent that has absolutely no safety data, no efficacy data to to speak of really, and might actually harm you, especially if you're frail and old, or take one of a multitude of decades-old, trusted, true, safe, effective, and available medications in a protocol that is rapidly evolving across multiple countries, multiple doctors, multiple researchers that has a 50, 80, sometimes 90% plus efficacy rate in reducing death and hospitalization. Well, if you're rational, you're going to go that route. Now, maybe if you're leftist, you're still going to go with the government. Fine. That's fine. But the conservatives didn't have that choice, Daniel. That's the problem. They were denied that option, not just intellectually, not just through, through speech media. They were physically denied that choice. Dennis Prager, who became infected with, uh, one of the variants about a month ago had to drive all the way down to Orange County, which is about a 90 minute drive from his home here in Los Angeles, California, in order to get monoclonal antibodies because he was denied care. He was denied those exact drugs at multiple clinics here in his home in Los Angeles. The government will not allow you to get treatment. They are for the first time in U.S. history, other than (laughs) ironically, the Tuskegee experiments where black (laughs) Americans were denied treatment for syphilis. Uh, that's another story, which is why, of course, black Americans are so suspicious of the virus or the uh, vaccine that they should be. This is the only case that, that I know of in the United States and U.S. history where the government has physically denied care to American yes. citizens for a disease that has ample opportunity yes. for care. I think that is one of the primary drivers, controlling the language, controlling the, ba- the debate, uh, yes. colluding with corporations, pharmacies and, and hospitals to block access to care. And now you're left with nothing but a crappy option or no. option. I, I believe that that some of you guys that were, you know, when you're anti-hydroxychloroquine from day one, I believe the biggest mistake in my entire career. And I think this is even doubly true for so many of my colleagues was not getting on to the treatment sphere of this uh, sooner, sooner, you know, early enough, because you could t- you could say until you're blue in the face, the lockdowns don't work. The mask just doesn't work. It's just not there's no correlation, much less causation anywhere of lower cases. And and, and now and now the shots don't work. Um, and it, but it doesn't matter 
they're seeing, you know, legitimately people are dying. Now that we do know that this was a bioweapon, it's not natural. I think, you know, we could come to terms with the fact that, I, at least, you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but I will say that certainly post-vaccine, I call it the Pfizer variant, certainly is more problematic than what I would have thought, you know, for the first few months of this last year. Um, you know, the majority of people get over it and it still is, you know, a certain gradient, but look, let's face it. A lot of people are old. A lot of people are fat. I mean, we have an obesity problem in this country. And then, you know, this variant, even those that aren't once in a while, it really does surprise some people and we've lost people. Um, it doesn't matter if I have a tool in my hand, I'm not going to relinquish it. You have to push the fact that here is a tool I can give you, and I think you're you're really speaking to that. I don't, before we run out of time, I want to move on to um, a couple other things. How much of this is fear of the virus? How much of it is fear and desire to fit in? Oh, that's a lovely question. I, as you know, work in a psychiatric practice with children. Children, especially adolescents, are the most vulnerable to peer pressure, meaning the desire to be liked and admired by others and to conform your behavior to match the, uh, the group think. They will follow the most foolish advice of their friends over their parents simply because they don't want to uh, provoke the ire of those that they admire and those that sustain them in their social circles. This is certainly true of, of all human beings, even adults, but certainly much more so of adolescents. I don't know a single adolescent in my practice who is actually concerned about getting sick and dying mm. and therefore went to mom and dad and said, I really want a vaccine to save my life. Not one. Every single one that came to me and when I asked, did you get this shot, all said one of the same two or three things. Yes, I did because, A, I was, I was forced to. I had no choice. I couldn't go to school. Uh, B, I couldn't get a job over the summer, couldn't work, couldn't travel, one of those things. Or C, this is the most important one, all of my friends got it, and I didn't want to be excluded from the parties, from the gatherings, and I didn't want to be laughed at and told that I was a Trumpy person, T-R-U-M-P-Y. Yep. That's a new term that they're using out in Los Angeles. Don't be Trumpy, right? Mm. Anti-vax is Trumpy. Even though he's promoting the things thing. left and right. But. I know. Isn't, isn't that funny? I mean, they'll talk, they'll talk about controlling language or even controlling the language of the children. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's gotten into their heads. It's so insidious. So I, 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 I offer this example because I think it speaks to your point, and I completely agree with it. I think that the desire of Americans to comply, uh, not just with government, but with the, uh, the, the sort of common acceptance of their community that this is a good thing, these shots, and that lockdowns are great, that they save lives, is, is perhaps even more powerful than the fear. Maybe not at the beginning. The fear was, was the only driver at the beginning. Now I believe there's still pockets of fear. There's also pockets of something I started to speak about more recently, which is sadism. I think that the rise of the intentional infliction of humiliation and, and pain on others purely for one's own sense of gratification yes. and pleasure has, has, has arisen, which is another whole, wholly ugly. It's definitely trait, happening uh, in, in, in a lot of hospitals. States. There's no question that is happening. Oh, absolutely. And, and that people are loving this, just watching people die because they didn't get vaccines, denying them care in emergency rooms because they didn't get a shot. And it's, it's, it's truly evil. But the compliance with the community standard because of peer pressure is very, very high. People yep. privately will tell me, I'm really against this. I don't want to do it. But 
look, I don't want to look like one of those right wing yeah. white supremacist Trump supporters, you know, fill in the blank. So you're so saying it's not right so much a placebo as it is a BLM flag. You know, I need to have my BLM. In a way, yes. You know, I, yeah, the BLM flag, the rainbow flag pin. You know, you go to the State Department where a friend of my works and you have to have a, uh, a rainbow flag and a BLM pin on your lapel. Uh, and you have to have in your uh, your email suffix. Uh, your, your pronouns listed, because if you don't, then you're one of those bad, evil, white ring, uh, white ring, white ring, yeah. white wing, white supremacist Trump supporters. It really is a um, almost like a, a virtue signal in a sense. Um, you have a chapter in your book. I want you to just talk br- briefly about it caught my eye, how feminized American men failed their women. And I, I said this to my wife yeah. when um, in our private schools, so you know, like most lot of private schools here, they they didn't shut down um, for at least the second year, uh, but they all went along with the mask. And I was like, "What?" Like my brain couldn't imagine because two weeks before that, in August 2020, there were like parodies on the internet about what would happen if you ever had school like that, and it was and it went from being a parody to reality in two weeks. And but I, to me, it was still a parody. It was like. There's no way it's happening. Like, everyone's going to join me. And I literally took my kids out of private school. And we did homeschooling that year because of that. And I was like, what the hell? Where are the men? <laughs> like, where is everyone? That exact question was asked after my last podcast from a South African uh, podcaster from women around the world in Malta, in Dominican Republic, in Vancouver, Canada, and here in Santa Monica, California. Where have all the men gone? Well, you know where they've gone? They have, they have gone AWOL. They are lacking courage. They are emasculated. They are eunuchs. American men have failed themselves. They failed their women. And they failed their children. They have stepped out of the traditional role of protector, of expressor of strength, of courage, of risk-taking. And that into that vacuum, women have filled. They have come in with their understandably high level of emotional resonance, uh, perhaps hysteria, the Karen phenomenon, for example, And they have tried to take over the role of men. And women are not designed to do that, not for the long term. It makes them unhappy, miserable, hysterical, uncontained, just as it makes men useless to be uh, emasculated. (laughs) And this is not, as I said earlier, not a new phenomenon either, just like the fear. It's been going on. It's been groomed into us for decades with the toxic masculinity, with the rape culture, uh, with the, the patriarchy. All of these uh, nonsensical terms and language that come from schools, universities, academics, government, media, corporations, it's the same nonsense. It's the same propaganda that is designed to do one thing. It is designed to eliminate the power of men, the femininity of women, and their coupling together, i.e. the family bond. And when the family bond dissolves, guess what? Everyone starts to look to government for support. That's where the dependency goes, mm. and that's been true of every totalitarian system in the last hundred years. Suspend liberty, freedom of speech, dissolve the family, destroy the church, and now turn children against parents, parents against children, neighbor against neighbor. And the first place to start, the place that is the most powerful, the core bedrock foundation of society and of our country, is the male-female bond. And once that's gone, it's all over. That's what's happening right now. Wow. That is, I mean— that speaks to many, many other issues we talk about on the show, not just this. Um, I know you got to go in a minute. Um, just uh, to, to give some hope and help here, obviously this has done a number on the mental health of children, the, the trauma of the last two years, 
um, just the, the the bizarre Frankenstein way we live. Uh, it's almost like it, it did to the mental health what endless uh, spike proteins do to your bloodstream. And how do you reverse that? You know, we have people in this audience, obviously, they're not gripped by this. They understand it, but they do have kids that, you know, some people couldn't do like what I did. And I shielded them from this as much as possible. And they had to go to school and they went with the mask forever. And they went with all the consequences and the brainwashing. How do you reverse engineer that? How do you boost? Well, let, let, let me let me ask you this. We, we've done a lot of shows here on um, immune health and how to you know boost your immune system, protect yourself from this virus in general, um, get your T cells up, get your vitamin D up. Um, how do you boost your mental health in the scenario we're in now? Well, in the last chapter of my book, United States of Fear, I focus specifically on how do we get through this. And there are a lot of examples, specific examples I give of different ages, populations, individual community group, all from the ground up. In terms of children, in terms of the point of view of a parent towards a child, this is what I would suggest. You need to detox your child. You need to get your child and yourself off of the social media, off of the legacy media. You need to start reading books and magazines that actually express reason and hope and conservative values. Presumably, some families are already doing this, but I know that even conservative families are not doing it as much as they should. You need to reduce the, the influence of the toxicity. It's like living in smog. Well, what do I do to detox the smog? You know, I go to work every day. Well, you've got to do something to clean the air. You've got to put in a HEPA filter in your home. You've got to wear uh, something uh, when you're uh, out and about that actually blocks particulates. There are things that you can do to reduce it. I mean, obviously, if you move, that's the best, the best thing to do. Get the, get, get the hell out of wherever you are in an urban area. That includes surrounding yourself with like-minded people. So if, you're, if you're, your kids are playing with children and spending time with adults, we're feeding them lies and indoctrinating them just like the uh, school teachers are who are now just activists. They're not teachers. Take your kids away from that social circle. Uh, I understand that many people can't homeschool. I get it. Uh, so you've got to find perhaps a school that's, that's not a government school. Get a private school. If you can, move. It's not easy. But there are ways that you can reduce the influence of this over your children. If you can't do that, then you're, you're really, your only defense is, is what you've taught your children up to now. It's the, it's the values that you've instilled in them, because that's ultimately going to be their defense when they become adults. They're going to be on their own eventually. You need to train them well. You need to teach them well. This is an a acute problem, and it's also a chronic problem, and you have to hit it at both levels if you want to try to protect your children. But if you fail, if you can't do it, I tell, I tell parents, your first job, your first responsibility as a parent is to protect the safety, both mental and physical, of your child. And that may mean relocating. Mm. If things continue to decline in the urban areas, whether it's a blood or a blue state, go somewhere else. Move. There are jobs everywhere. Fortunately, our 50 states don't have borders with armed guards. We can still cross borders. We can still relocate. Things are not going to get better soon. Don't wait for the government to come and save you. Take action on your own. Think for yourself, as Thoreau said. Live in fear, but, but live through it. Feel the fear and live through it. Take action. Take a risk. You have to take responsibility for yourself. That's the most 
important conservative value. And I wish conservatives would do more of that. And unfortunately, they're not so far. Exactly. And it jives with the first part of the show. Don't expect a couple of court injunctions on a very minor sliver of this 20-month cabal that has really grown roots and will for the future as well to save you. you got to take your own destiny in your own hands. Make red states red again. Make state legislatures grit again in those states. Um, you know, and, and, and I think what you're touching on is just something that I've been preaching about on an array of issues is that red is not as red as blue is blue, to put it simplistically, that we're all often very like, you know, innocuous, very bland, like we just don't want to like, you know, tip our hand, you know, it's the other side, they're going to come in loud and proud. No, you have to be as emphatic if you believe in the veracity of your views the way they do theirs. Um, it, it, it's very sad that it has to come to this self-separating, but if it's as severe as we're saying and we recognize, you need to do that. You can't have your kids around that environment. You can't have, you can't associate, and I know this is, well, let, let me just end with this, and I know you you, you got to run, but you, you brought up an important thing I want to touch on. A lot of people are telling me that they have heartbreaking schisms within families. How do you deal with that? Mm. That's such a good question. I was sympathetic, empathic, compromising at the beginning. I used to tell patients, uh, this is primarily who I speak to about this, um, listen to them, uh, be, be patient, uh, try to repair, mend the bond, try to change their mind by giving them good information, sharing articles with them. Doesn't work. No. Does not work. This is an emotional issue. This is all based on psychology, based on feeling. If you detect that this family member who you love and you want to maintain a relationship with does not express any curiosity, any concern, any question whatsoever, it is better for you to let that person go for now. And the reason for it is you will not be successful in trying to change their mind. It will drain you. It will, it will lead to increased despair and it will counter what I just said earlier, which is you need to be responsible for yourself first, for your mental health, for you, your wife, your husband, your children. That's number one. And you can't do that if every interaction you have with a family member and a friend leaves you feeling despairing and hopeless. Mm. So don't bother. It's not about giving up. It's not about losing hope. It's about making an active decision that you will not engage or involve yourself in this person's life for now until that person changes. I really believe this. It's, I know it's sort of tough love, but I, I practice it myself. I encourage my patients to practice it. And to be honest, those who have, have found themselves to be much happier, and it's not in any way going to harm the other person. The harm has been done by that other person, him or herself. You didn't break that person. You can't fix that person. It's up to that person to take accountability for him or herself to find the way out and to eventually, hopefully, express some curiosity, some questions, some concern, and to come to you and say, you know, I'm not totally in agreement with you, but I have some questions. That's your moment to reengage. Until then, stop beating your head against the wall. It's only going to give you a headache. Wow. Words of wisdom again from Dr. Mark McDonald. Thanks so much for joining us again. You could pick up his book, Thanks, United States of Fear, How America Fell Victim to Mass Delusional Psychosis. Uh, we look forward to having you back again. And uh, good luck on, on treating treating people <laughs> with mental health. But you've given us a lot of insight. Take care. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And there are a lot of profound lessons there, folks. I mean, you know, he's he's a very well-spoken guy. And, and if you think about it, it's unbelievable. Um, the stuff he was saying jives so well with what we've talked we've been talking about really from day one. You can't fall on your sword for other people. We don't live in a 
temple era. We live in a Noah's Ark era where you just evacuate yourself. You got to save your own hide from from what they've done. You didn't you didn't foist this upon people. They've they've done it, and it kind of gets back to what I started with. That's my view about abortion. If there's two, there's essentially two abortions taking place. One where they're aborting their people. One they're aborting our people. Well, I'm gonna focus on the latter. You know, um, you know, I'll do what I can on any issue, but that should be our focus. And and again, um, the reason why we are where we are, even in super red states, is because. Most of us ourselves don't really live a life as emphatic as others. And and again, it's understanding how we, you know, unlike them, we don't want to make everything political. You could be friends with people. You could have family. But that's not what it is anymore. And that ship has sailed. And what he's saying on a societal, even a familiar uh, level between families and friends, it's, it, it's a microcosm of what really needs to happen at a governmental level, public policy level. We need to self-separate. You cannot bridge that divide. When I believe I could declare something an emergency and therefore your basic existence, just living normally, is a threat to me unless you take a dangerous action against your body and life. You can't, you can't live with people like that. Um, you have to self-separate. And, and, and again, we, it's got to come in the community it's got we have to be as emphatic we have to boycott the way they boycott we have to speak up the way they speak up and you know what it really makes a difference i know in my community when they started with these vaccine clinics for 5 to 11 year olds when people started raising hell they really backed down um you know they haven't heard of it until now and it's insane that no one did it with the 12 to 18 year olds cuz it was just as egregious um hong kong just came out with data the second Pfizer shot is killing so many from myocarditis that age, frankly, killing 18 to 30 year olds as well. Um, and then everyone from other elements as well. So, you know, we should have done this before, but finally the five to 11 year olds spawned some sort of reaction. And again, I just want to say it's culture and politics, but the two work together. I don't believe that politics is downstream from culture. I think Sometimes it is. Sometimes culture is downstream from politics. Sometimes they work concurrently. And when you create a culture with a governor and a state legislature and you start making it that this is okay to do and this is what you must do, you'll have some opposition inevitably. But especially in a state that is more Trump voters, so to speak, um, over time that will change and it will change pretty quickly. So we need to do all of the above. Do not just rest on your laurels. We'll see what happens in the courts tomorrow. We are out of time, but hopefully this show is helpful to you as always. Uh, give us a five-star rating if you like it. Send it to all your friends and relatives. Um, again, the ones that are open. I mean, don't ones that are just Karens, it's not worth it. Don't send them my show. It's not even worth it. But like Dr. McDonald said, people that just want, you know, I want to find out more. This is the place to go. Listen to me every day, and you'll certainly learn a lot more than you will elsewhere. Till tomorrow, may God restore our sanity and our safety and our mental health. Have a great day. We'll see you same time, same place tomorrow.